The Bible boldly proclaims that God has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Pastor Ray Bentley explains. Listen, everything we need has already been given to us. And you might say, okay, well, where is it that he has given it to us? God's provision for whatever you need, whatever you lack at any time in your life, God's provision is always in his promises and his promises are in his word. Spread the news. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. It's an unfamiliar notion to be given everything we need and to be given it in abundance and free of charge. But today, Pastor Ray points out that the heart of God is generous and reliable. Whatever you need in your walk with God is just a prayer away. Let's see how we can stock up on God's blessings. We're in the last week of Jesus' earthly ministry. And so we read Jesus is, you know, he's battling with some of the religious leaders 2,000 years ago. And here's what he says. He tells a parable, verse 33, Matthew 21, verse 33. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower. And he leased it to vine dressers. And then he went into a far country. Now when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants and they beat one and then they killed one and then they stoned another. So again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did likewise to them. And then last of all, he finally sent his son to them saying, well, surely they will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. And so they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. So in this parable, Jesus is using a story about a vineyard. We're gonna see that this parable, in this parable, the householder is God the Father. The son is obviously the Lord Jesus Christ, and the farmers are a picture of Israel. The servants that are sent to them are the prophets of ancient Israel. So after it says they sent the son and they killed him, in verse 40, therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, Jesus is talking to this group of religious leaders, what do you think he will do to those vine dressers? And they said to him, He will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render him the fruits in their seasons. (laughs) They were right. Jesus said, I'm talking about you guys. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scripture the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Now, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking of them. He was. 
But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitudes because they took him for a prophet. Jesus quotes here where it says, the stone which the builders rejected, he's quoting a psalm. Psalm 118, verses 22 and 23. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. That Psalm 118 is a, what the rabbis called a messianic psalm. It's talking about the coming of the Messiah. And right now, Jesus is talking to a group of religious leaders who are rejecting Jesus, rejecting the Son, rejecting, therefore, the Messiah. Now, here's what's interesting. Back in the days of King Solomon, remember they were originally going to build the temple. David was the first one. He wanted to build God a temple, and, and God said, David, you can't. You're a man of war. I can't let you build me a house. Now, you can get all the stuff together and the materials together and the raw materials ready to build it, and then your son Solomon can build it. So Solomon's getting ready to build it. So he had thousands and thousands and thousands of workers who had to quarry this limestone, and they were kind of down over here, and they had their foremen and their crew, and they got to build every stone and then fit it together. And then way up here on the Temple Mount, you have the, another foreman, and he's putting the stones where they go in the corners and laying out and building the temple. There is a legend among the Jewish people that in the days of King Solomon, at the very beginning when they were quarrying some of the very first stones, they made the chief cornerstone which is to be laid at the end. But they, they made it, it's unique. It's unlike any other stone in the entire temple. And they sent it up to the other foreman, the guy that was putting all the walls and the thing together in the temple. But there's so many thousands of people there. So they get this stone and they looked at it and they go, well, that, that doesn't fit in this corner, it doesn't fit that wall, doesn't go to that gate. In fact, it doesn't fit any, we don't know what to do with it. And they said, well, look, it's in the way and they took it to the top of the hill and they rolled the stone down the hill to the valley below. It was the chief cornerstone that they had made. Years go by. Now they're done. They're ready. Solomon has called all the 12 tribes of Israel to come together. We're going to dedicate the temple. We're going to, we're, God's going to send fire from heaven to light the sacrifice. God's going to come and bring his glory. And they go, okay, guys, the quarry guys, send us the final cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. And they go, what are you talking about? We sent out that out years ago at the beginning of construction. And they're like, what? What? And so they have this big search, and they all talk, and then somebody, hey, 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 you guys remember years ago, they sent up that stone. We didn't know what it was. It didn't fit, and we threw it over the side of the cliff. That was the cornerstone. And they said, well, then go find it. Years later, all the debris, so the whole nation goes down, and they finally found the chief cornerstone, and they brought it back, and then before the whole nation, they put it in place, had the dedication, fire came from heaven and lit the sacrifice, and the kind of glory came and filled the house of the Lord so they could not stand in the presence of the Lord. That's a legend told by the Jewish people themselves, and Jesus is saying, that's what you did to me. I am the chief cornerstone. But early on, when the chief cornerstone was sent, it didn't fit your theology. It didn't fit your religious conceptions of the kingdom. So you rejected the cornerstone and you threw him off the cliff. But the day will come when you will look for him, search for him, find him, because it won't be complete. And he will be brought back 
and it was marvelous in the eyes of the Lord. That's where we're living right now. We are living in the days when soon the chief cornerstone will come. Every eye shall see him with power and with glory. He came once as a lamb. He's coming back as a lion of the tribe of Judah. It's going to be glorious and powerful. Then Jesus in verse 44 says something interesting. He says, and whoever falls on the stone will be broken. But on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. So the Messiah is being likened unto a stone. And I want you to know this, we have a choice. We can either be broken in humble surrender by falling on the stone, which is Christ, and repenting of our sins, and begging God's forgiveness, and seeking His mercy. Or if we don't fall and humble ourselves on the chief cornerstone, the weight of God's judgment will fall upon us. The choice before these religious leaders is the same choice before every person on planet Earth today. Either you will fall on the stone, humble yourself, call upon the name of the Lord, and be saved, or the stone and the kingdom will come in judgment, and you will not survive. I'm humbling myself on the chief cornerstone, amen? And I want to be right with Him and know Him and love Him. I do want to say this that uh, God is gracious, and God is merciful, and God is slow to anger. But slow to anger doesn't mean He doesn't get angry. And though He is merciful, there does come a time when judgment will come. And man, you do not want to be on the other side of God's judgment. Every nation will be judged. Every individual will be judged. It's better to inspect ourselves. Am I with Him or not? Am I humble before Him or not? You have to make sure for yourself. No, you can't. Your parents can't do it for you. Your family can't. Your friends can't do it for you. You individually have to say, no, I know who he is. I acknowledge who you are. I'm with Jesus and identify with him. That's a beautiful, wonderful thing. But I want you to read this scripture with me. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. Let's read this. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, You welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. This is what is important, the word of God. It is not just men. It is not men's opinions. It's not men's philosophies. It's not men's reasonings. But as 1 Thessalonians, Paul said, for this reason, we thank God without ceasing Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not merely as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. God's word is serious. God's word is powerful, and we're accountable to his word. 2 Peter 1, verse 3, let's read this. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Now look what that says. His divine power, supernatural power, has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Listen, everything you need has been given to you through the Word of God, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. 
Everything we need has already been given to us. And you might say, okay, well, where? Where is it that he has given it to us? And it's in the very next verse, First, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Let's read it. By which you have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That's the answer. How has God given to us everything and all things pertaining to life and godliness? Where are they? They are in the promises of God. You could say it this way, God's provision for whatever you need, whatever you lack at any time in your life, God's provision is always in his promises and his promises are in his word, his mighty powerful word. There are some 7,000 promises in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Did you know that? 7,000 of them. And there's a verse in the New Testament that says, every promise of God in Christ Jesus is yes and amen. In other words, it's like you have a bank account and all 7,000 promises of God are yours. When you claim them and appropriate them and say, that promise is for me, I take that now. Thank you very much, Father. All 7,000 of them. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray went to heaven, so many listeners have shared comments on what his teaching means to them. You were our Billy Graham. Our spiritual walk has been so sweet since we became Christians. To know you was to learn to live the Great Commission and fulfill God's great commandments. Thank you for being such a beautiful inspiration and leading my husband to be such a godly man, which allowed me to become a faithful servant of our Lord. Well done. Messages like that continue to be such a great encouragement to all of us at Maranatha Radio and the whole Bentley family. If you'd like to send a message, just email us, ray at raybentley.com or post a comment online at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. You remember the story in the Old Testament of Jacob and Jacob's Ladder? Jacob was a guy that, by the way, is very relatable. I relate to Jacob a lot. He's a regular, you know, he's not some super spiritual guy. He had a lot of issues. He had a lot of fears. It was very human. He had a problem with his brother, so he had family problems. His brother took advantage of him, lied to him. Jacob wasn't a good brother to him, stole the blessing. His brother was so mad, so angry, wanted to kill him. Uh, He had other problems with the other members of his family, and then he had problems with his father-in-law, and he just had a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear, and Jacob was the kind of guy that tried to, he didn't really rely on God too much in the beginning, he just kind of did it on his own and worked it out as best he could. And finally, he was so full of anxiety, so full of fear, so full of, oh, I don't know what to do, (laughs) He, he just got tired and went to sleep. You ever do that? So anxious, you're like, I don't know what to do, I'm going to sleep. That's what Jacob did. And he got a rock for a pillow. Then he had a dream. He had a dream. And in that dream, what did he see? Right where he was sleeping in the spirit, he saw and he said from that ground where that rock pillow was, there was a ladder. And he looked and the ladder went all the way up and it went all the way into heaven. He saw angels 
Some of them were descending from heaven with assignments from God and then going to the earth and doing their assignments. And others, having done their assignments, were going back up the ladder to get new assignments. And then at the very top of the ladder, he saw the Lord. And the Lord at the top of the ladder in heaven spoke to him, hey, Jacob, son, you're a very anxious man. I'm paraphrasing. A worried man, man with a lot of problems. I want to tell you something. I have a promise for you. The same promise I made to Abraham, the same promise I made to your father Isaac, I make the same promise to you. I, will, I have not forgotten. I will not let it go. I'm going to do what I said. Follow me, son. Trust me, son. Relax, my son. I'm with you. Jacob woke up and he's like, oh my gosh. I thought I was in the middle of nowhere with all my, I couldn't see past myself, my fear and anxiety. I was literally at the house of God. I was at the gateway between heaven and earth. I have a word for you. There's some of you that are tired, worn out, weary, and exhausted through the battles of life. And you feel like God's a million miles away. I'm telling you, if you go to sleep, you could have a dream. And literally right where you are worrying your little head off, there's a gate and there is a ladder and there are angels ascending and descending and God has a word of promise to you. I haven't forgotten you, son or daughter. I have a word for you. I have a promise for you and I'm gonna make it come to pass and there's nothing that you can do to stop me from blessing you. That's his word to you and to me. That's what he did to Jacob through the promises of God. There is power in the word of God. So in closing, two scriptures. So I'm encouraging you, read the Bible. Never neglect your Bible. It is the key to your future. The Word of God is the key to your purpose. It is the key to your fulfillment. It is the most precious gift God has ever given. Romans 10, 17, let's read it. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. All these promises, Lord, I need faith so I can activate the promises. Faith comes by hearing. So the more you read it, the more you meditate in it, the more you will grow in faith. And the last one is Proverbs 4, 20 through 22, last scripture. And I like this one because it's in the Old Testament, but it's a promise of health and healing. Let's read it out loud. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. He's talking about the word there. Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they, the word of God, are life to those who find them and health. That word health in Hebrew can mean medicine. That's the Hebrew meaning of the word health. What he's saying is if you will listen to my word, incline my word, if you'll devote yourself to my word and believe in the promises of my word, I will bring health. The word of God is like supernatural medicine, medicine that can heal your flesh, your physical body, medicine that can heal your mind, medicine that can heal your heart, medicine that can heal your soul, powerful and mighty. Amen? You were created. God made you, and God wants a relationship with you. And Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to them. I want you to know Jesus says, from the moment you were conceived, he's been with you. 
Wherever you've gone, he's been with you. But that's not salvation. Salvation is where you invite him to come into your life and you admit, kind of the obvious, that you're not perfect. Sin is anything less than absolute perfection. I think it's pretty obvious by now, all seven billion people, we got, we got problems. And that's called sin. That's why Jesus left heaven and that's why he came and that's why he, his mission was to die in your place to pay for your sins. But because he's God and pure and holy, death couldn't hold on to him. So after paying the penalty on the third day, boom, he rose. He resurrected and he broke sin and he broke the power of Satan and he broke death. And he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Now you let me come live inside you now, he'll be in your heart and in your head because you were never meant to live in your own head, in your own strength, in your own power, in your own reasoning. He was meant to be with you on the inside. Very subtle, very gentle. The Holy Spirit's like a dove, you know, they're very sensitive. Easy to scare off a dove. But if you invite them and if you're patient and if you're humble and if you're gentle and quiet, a dove will be right next to you and that's what the Holy Spirit's like. He'll settle right inside of you. So I'm gonna give you an opportunity to pray. Right now, right here, very simple. And the best way of explaining it is, prayer is a way of opening your heart and inviting the risen Jesus and his spirit come inside you. Here's what he's gonna do, forgive you of every stupid thing you've ever done and every wrong thing you've ever done, wittingly or unwittingly, he'll forgive it all. And then he's gonna fill you with his spirit. He's gonna give you the gift of eternal life. And then he's gonna, little by little, as you get to know him, start revealing his purpose and plan for your life. He's got plans for you for eternity. So it's a beginning, a new beginning. It's called born again. That's what he described it as. There's nothing else you need to do other than receive Christ and believe in him and trust in him today. So all those who know the Lord, love the Lord, I'm gonna encourage, invite everybody to pray it out loud. It's not like we're getting saved again. It's more like a couple who love each other, renewing their vows, reminding themselves how beautiful, precious, and sweet uh, those vows are. But I want everybody, if you're willing, to pray with me and pray after me. And let's pray together right now after this manner. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I am so sorry for everything that I have done wrong. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. I open the door of my heart and I invite you to come into my life to be my personal Lord and Savior. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. I receive the gift of eternal life. Now help me follow you, Jesus, all the way to heaven until I see you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen. An important prayer with Pastor Ray Bentley today here on Maranatha Radio. And if you've just made a decision for the Lord, or if you have some questions about where you stand with the Lord, we invite you to go to raybentley.com and click the word about. Pastor Ray will help you take your next step. Again, that's at raybentley.com. Now, today's study is titled, Let Us Bear Fruit. 
If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at RayBentley.com. That's RayBentley.com. We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And under Media, you'll notice three words, Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click About and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email, free of charge. Plus, you'll find other spiritual growth books and resources from Pastor Ray, including his new book called The Final Witness, an eye-opening prophetic fiction novel. So many are enjoying the full five-book series called The Elijah Chronicles. You can, too. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also make a donation right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Matthew. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return. The whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.